This is Nanak Tagore, and you're listening to Episode 7 of the San Juan Unified Student Podcast. Today I had the chance to interview Board President Paula Viesquez on her work in the district. Let's get right into it. Hi Paula, thank you so much for joining us here on Episode 7 of the San Juan Unified Student Podcast. Would you mind introducing yourself to our listeners and letting them know what you do for the district? Yeah, absolutely, Nanak. Thank you so much uh, for having me. I'm excited. Uh, big fan of the podcast. My name is Paula Viesquez, and I'm currently the board president for the San Juan Unified School District. And how is it working within San Juan Unified School District? Uh, well, like everything, this last year in particular has been pretty pretty challenging, but um, the, the work is made easier knowing that it's all you know we're all here to kind of do the right thing and support support our students but um one of the great things about san juan is all of the board members and a lot of our leadership are kind of directly tied to schools but i myself am a student um from a san juan unified school i went to went to and graduated from mira loma high school so go matadors um but that makes it you know that much easier because i love this district and I owe a lot to this district so it makes serving the district um, an absolute honor and privilege. Of course and we're gonna kind of break down on what what exactly the board is here in a little bit. Um, Would you mind just talking about uh, what what the board does, uh, how many members there are and what are some of the things that you guys do? Yeah absolutely so right now there are five members of the board and we are all elected by the public um whatever voters students parents etc whenever our neighbors go to the polls um they also vote for school board and um when i was elected i was first elected in 2016 and at the time i was the youngest elected official in sacramento county which was pretty cool and so together the five of us um work along with the superintendent to make key leadership decisions and um, decide the direction for the district as a whole. So a lot of it is stuff like, you know, maintaining our, you know, $400 million budget um, and you know, making sure that the curriculum is relevant and of interest to our, our students to make sure that every student has the opportunity um, to have an engaging education and ultimately to succeed uh, and last year, we have all turned into a little bit of uh, public health experts on the side. So it's a curveball for everyone. But at the whole, our, our mission is to successfully lead the district in a way that every student is able to succeed. Of course. And what, what do you feel makes San Juan Unified's board unique compared to other schools? Yeah, so we're all tied into the district in a slightly different way, but I think in a way that makes us a kind of well-rounded board. We've got a couple of, you know, we have Mr. Hernandez, who is our small business owner, but also um, raised his kids in the district and has been super involved that way. And Ms. Costa has dedicated her entire career, um, both as a student and as an educator, to the district. And now... Um, has continued that legacy with uh, her son also still serving in the district, but she's got kind of that educator lens. Um, you know, Dr. McKibben brings a similar perspective in that he spent a lot of his time and his career 
working on matters related to education and teaching credentialing and his son went through the district and then we've got Ms. Creason who is our current parent on the board and brings that very critical perspective and she herself is um, an amazing CEO and has her business as well um, and then I am a product of the district and you know bring um, kind of the, the lower end of the generational spectrum uh, bring that perspective as well having gone through the system myself and so I think all of us together bring a slightly different lens that makes up a you know well-rounded governance team so we don't we may not always agree on everything but we all come from the perspective of wanting to serve and support the students in the San Juan Unified School District. Yeah, so each one of you have either been a part of the district yourself or you have ties through through family. So I think that really does make you guys special. And uh, tying into our next question, like, how do you feel that that makes you guys be able to work together better, like knowing that you guys all have ties to the district outside of your job? Yeah, I just think for each of us, even though we might have a different perspective that we bring to the table you know it makes those, any decision that we make it's a pretty well-rounded decision that has taken to consideration a number of different viewpoints and so again I think you know we might not always agree 100% on everything but because it is tied so closely really to for, for all of us the district is family um, or our family is a product of the district. Like, it's a very close, tied relationship. And so we all have kind of a sense of ownership of, of the success and the future of the district as a whole. And so that's what makes um, sometimes really, really hard conversations. Um, at the end of the day, we all know that the decisions we make are what's right for the students and for the kids and for our community at large because of those ties the district yeah so you you personally um growing up in this area um going to Mariloma high school what was your experience as a as a a young student uh going through San Juan Unified School District yeah I really enjoyed uh going to school and attending Mariloma I was a little bit I don't know what we'll call it we'll call it bookwormish or (laughs) frankly um nerdy (laughs) um I I was part of the um, the International Baccalaureate, the IB program there. Um, but for me, you know, I really threw myself into my academics and into school life. So I actually, um, I spent my formative years in Texas, and that's where a lot of my extended family is from. And then right before I started high school, um, I, I moved out here um, and was living with my mom and uh, my mom raised me as a single mom and was always working you know, multiple jobs and is the hardest worker that I know uh, to help make ends meet. Um, but it was just, you know, me and her. And definitely right before I was starting high school, it was pretty tough. Um, we, for a couple of different reasons, didn't have stable housing or reliable housing. Um, and so it actually was really lucky and fortunate that right before the school year started, I ended up within the boundaries of, of Mariloma, but I didn't know about the IB program or any of that right before. And so when I found it, I mean, it really was um, that school 
school, but really not the school, more the, the teachers and the staff and the community there that really believed in me and um, encouraged me to ultimately go to college. And so I'm the first person in my family um, to graduate from high school and to go to college and graduate from college. And I 100% owe all of that to um, some really key influential teachers and staff there at, at Mira Loma. But I, I enjoyed my time there. It's definitely a very diverse I mean, I remember kind of walking on campus and there just at any given time being five to seven languages being spoken, um, which was not the experience from where I came from in kind of a small town in Texas. But I really, really enjoyed it and loved every bit of it. I mean, congratulations. I mean, being the first in your family to go to college and achieve achieve that is, is huge. And the fact that you were able to do that because of people at your school and the community is just is something really amazing to hear. Um, on that, like, who did you have a favorite teacher or favorite subject while you were at Mariloma? I really enjoyed my favorite subject would probably be um, history and kind of the social sciences. I mean, I still think fondly of um, Mr. Lago Marcino and Mr. Thompson. Um, all of whom, particularly this last year, I often, while we're living through historical events over and over again, I sometimes kind of think, like, what would it be like to put myself back into their classroom and kind of be living through these events through their lens? But they definitely brought history to life, and I really enjoyed those classes. Um, and, you know, I'll have to give a shout-out to Scott Evans, who... Um, was a counselor at Mariloma. He wasn't technically my assigned counselor, but I kind of made him um, take me on. <laughs> He's also one of the key folks that helped push me um, and made sure that I applied to college, et cetera, um, and made sure that I was successful. So I owe him a lot. But still, you know, uh, Ms. Hall, um, Mr. Hill, there's still a lot of, of folks there on campus. It's actually kind of fun to, you know, be working in the district while some of my teachers who taught me, uh, Mr. Matthews and others, are still there um, working. Yeah, well, sh- shout out uh, Mariloma Matadors, and you're, it's alumni, yeah, so you, you're, you're a Matador for life. <laughs> Um, so what does your day-to-day look like as board president? Uh, what's the what's the workload? How often do you guys meet? And just kind of walk, walk us through what exactly you do. Yeah, absolutely. So historically speaking, a lot of um, board members typically are retired. And that's because it actually takes a lot of work. It's a big, big job. And it's hard to do that when you're also doing another job. I think a lot of folks may not know that most of us now have other jobs that we do in addition to our school board job, and we're all equally committed to both. And so um, balance is sometimes a little bit hard to find, but I definitely enjoy every minute of it. We meet twice a month uh, for meetings that, you know, I don't know what the average would be at this point, but I pretty much block off. 4 p.m. to 11 p.m. Um, every other Tuesday because <laughs> that's the window of when it would likely the full meeting might actually go. Um, and of course, outside of the meeting, a lot of the work happens 
outside of, of the meeting and we get to visit schools. That's one of my favorite things to do. Of course, that's been a little bit more challenging with, um, with the current instructional model that we've been, that we've been in for the last year. But I typically try to visit at least two to three schools per week. Um, it's been really, really fun to watch the calendars fill up for May as we very aggressively try to move kind of remote, um, remote senior recognitions to in-person. Yeah. For instance, you know, last week we did the AVID senior um, recognition event, which was just really, really fantastic. And so, and it, it, you know, right now, this time of year, it's definitely a lot busier, but in general, right, we've got our board meetings um, every other Tuesday. We all serve on our respective, we all respectively have uh, committees, um, that have, you know, community members that are part of them and then they've got a board liaison. So most, most I think it's not all of us have multiple committees that we're on. So we have those meetings as well. And then a lot of it is, you know, talking to community members and the public and, of course, trying to find as much time as possible to engage directly with students. And so, you know, this week is a little bit of everything. I've got a meeting later on with our Citrus Heights partners, our City of Citrus Heights partners, and then we've got our most valuable partners um, event honoring our community members um, on Thursday. And so, particularly in May, when we start to wrap up the year, it gets a little bit busy. And of course, then we've got graduations, which is very exciting. Um, the highlight of everyone's year, I think. And so, that usually rounds out. Um, rounds out our day I talk to the superintendent very frequently we've got both our scheduled times and then our times where we're just checking in and trying to keep up on the latest funding or guidance changes or anything from the state etc so we keep pretty busy yeah so you mentioned uh keeping that balance like what do you what are the ways that you try to keep balanced on your own uh, and what would be some advice to to students or your your peers on how to how to stay stay more balanced. Nanak, you're coming in with a tough question. <laughs> <laughs> I would say particularly now and you know, given the other hat that I have worn for the last year or so, I'm actually really unsuccessful at finding balance. Um, I think in particular for the last year, I've been scheduled, you know, most days without without weekends from, you know, 7 to, to 11. But one thing that became really, really critical to kind of combat that and find that time, that quiet time, you know, just for, for me to gather thoughts, I, every morning at 6.30, okay, well, most mornings at 6.30, me and my partner go for a morning walk, and it's both my way of just getting outside and breathing fresh air. Um, and it's a three mile walk and you walk through the neighborhood and, you know, see familiar faces and see what's going on out in the neighborhood. It's out towards, we, we walk out towards Carmichael Park. So then on the weekend, there's also farmer's markets, etc. But that time to just get away from screens has been really, really valuable and important because I found myself at one point in the pandemic, just being in one room, um, from sunrise to sunset and realizing that I never left and that's just really not healthy. So I try to get outside away from screens to breathe fresh air as much as possible. Oh, for sure. Getting outside has definitely been something that saved me during 
during all this, just being able to get out. I mean, I play basketball, so it's getting out there and just, just shooting and training outdoors has been something that's definitely saved me. Yeah, I can imagine, especially being an athlete. You know, growing up, I wasn't much of an athlete, but then uh, more recently, I, I really uh, found a gym space that I really loved and got to see a bunch of women that became really good friends of mine. And then when that disappeared um, because of the pandemic, it was just, it was really, really difficult. So I had to very proactively find ways to just get my body moving so I wasn't sitting around all the time. Yeah, because it's really easy to fall into that, just sitting on the couch, just Zoom meeting after Zoom meeting, and then you, the next thing you know, it the sun's down, and then you're like, you lost your whole day. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So uh, where do you feel that San Juan Unified School District needs to do better? Like, what areas uh, within helping students, staff, families, where do you feel like we could be doing better? I think most immediately, well, We've heard, you know, we spend a lot of time, I spend a lot of time looking for places to get, you know, meaningful feedback and really hear what our students need. And I think the one thing that has just been a recurring topic um, over and over is um, strong uh, mental health support. And so particularly kind of in the immediate term, um, as we all start to go back to kind of quote-unquote normal, um, I think it'll, it continues to be a challenge. And we've heard time and time again um, that the, both students, but really the entire community needs a little bit more support. I think, you know, all of us lived through something that is just completely unprecedented. And so it's going to be really hard to kind of get back to a normal. And for so many it actually won't ever get back to normal, right? And, um, for people who have lost family members or for people who have lost jobs, yeah. um, there's just a lot that won't get back to normal. And I know when I think about it, I actually I try to not focus on getting back to normal because even before the pandemic, we had a lot of things that needed to be fixed. And so um, I'm always looking to kind of get back to a better version, you know, not necessarily get back to normal, but get back to um, a place that is stronger and, and better than what we had prior. But I think first and foremost, um, that kind of uh, direct uh, mental health support is really, really important. And then I'm looking forward to over the summer also just, I think we just need more spaces to for our students to recreate and, and get out and about again. I mean, I know that there's a lot of focus on things that we like to call learning loss and a bunch of other stuff, but I actually hope we can take an opportunity to just temporarily kind of get away from that because first, you know, not all learning happens in a classroom. In fact, a lot of learning doesn't happen in a classroom, and I think people just need to create connections again and be outside and recreate in a way that develops positive relationships. I think we're all going to need a little bit of time to figure out how to do that again. So for the immediate term, um, I'm hoping that's what we can build for, for the summer. And then of course, you know, picking up through the fall. Um, I don't really think it's that big of a, of a challenge, but I'm excited to kind of return back to, um, pre-COVID times, again, I don't, I don't think it'll be 
normal, but a school schedule that was back up prior to all of our um, COVID mitigations and, and everything else, but a full-time, full-day schedule um, will, will be really exciting, but I'm also, I think we just need to be able to kind of work in a bunch of additional supports that might, that may or may not be academic, but fulfill the needs of so many of our students that I, I know will need extra support. Hey, something you mentioned there I really liked was how you how you mentioned the the need for students to recreate and just be with one another and just connect and just have that time because I mean I feel like with hybrid it's definitely been nice that we've been able to show up in school but it's like I was expecting this like big return it was like everyone would be all like Hi, buddy, buddy, everyone be all getting together. But for me personally, it was just kind of just weird. It felt like there was something missing still. So it was just hopefully finding time and a space for uh, everyone to come together again. Yeah, exactly. And I know it's still it's still not kind of the previous experience of being back and, and, and in person. But I think that's in part why we're really trying to, particularly for the seniors, but really for everyone, build more opportunities to just be in person, but at the same time, right it, Right now we're walking this careful balance of still maintaining some precautions because I firmly believe we're not quite out of the woods and the largest population of individuals that can't be vaccinated, even if they wanted to, are our students, so we still have to proceed really cautiously. But I think in the fall, if we've all collectively done um, done our best to make the best conditions in terms of COVID um, reality, then we can definitely kind of come back to something closer to normal where you can have those kind of social experiences and, and really uh, promote and foster those relationships because I, I can only imagine how hard it's been, but it's, it's been pretty difficult, I would imagine. Yeah, I mean, public health being an obvious concern, uh, what has the board done to help with, with those issues and is also within schools. I'm trying to get kids back. I know before uh, there must have been a lot of parents wanting to get kids back even earlier than we were we were uh, put into the hybrid system. So what what work have, have you done within public health and within schools? So in addition to being on the board, um, I've been able to bring in a lot of my other professional experience into play in the last year or so. Uh, for the last two and a half years, I have served as Assistant Secretary for the California Health and Human Services Agency, which is uh, very focused on, on public health and is very much in the health space. And a lot of my professional background is in health policy. And so I've been in this really interesting space. And, you know, in that role, uh, my, my job is to advise the Secretary of Health and Human Services, who is Dr. Mark Golly, who you might see. Um, on press conferences with the governor or otherwise um, out on PSAs or in the media promoting uh, promoting public health and um, other other items as well. And so it's been interesting to wear that hat and and be a school board member um, all in, in a space where there's probably not a high chance that you're going to make everybody happy. <laughs> um, but kind of Figuring out where to draw the appropriate lines, knowing that first and foremost, the health and safety of our students and of our staff is up at the top, and that might not necessarily fit in with where parents 
um, want us to be. You know, it's been tough, but I think I, I think we've done a pretty good job. I know we've changed instructional strategies quite a quite a bit, but I'm hopeful that where we're at now will be kind of how we lead through the end of the year. But you know, everything from promoting vaccinations and getting our staff vaccinated um, to you know requiring masks wearing um to to testing for youth sports right so there's a lot of kind of mitigation strategies that we have all worked on together so that people can come back and still be safe Uh, but it's taken a lot of work i mean i huge kudos to all the school district staff and team and teachers and everybody else that have just lifted mountains to make this happen and um, I've been living this pretty closely the last year. I mean, my first day of COVID response in my in my work was January 27th of 2019. So I've been living this for quite some time. But I remember the conversations around like, oh, well, we can't, op- you know, we can't open up schools because kids aren't going to wear masks. Like, that's just impossible that we would even ask kids to do that. And it's like, now when I walk on campus, it's actually you know, compliance for mask wearing among students is actually really high and no one really has that big of an issue. And if anything, it's harder to enforce amongst adults. And so I, it's been interesting to watch the dynamics where I think we've heard a lot from students of like their concerns about being safe and returning to a safe campus. And, you know, is it going to be okay? Or are they, uh, you know, potentially spread something to their family, etc. And then kind of a, another very loud, um, audience of primarily parents saying, you know, full-time right now, we need it, and, you know, otherwise, you know, saying almost the exact same thing, that we are putting folks in danger, um, or putting children in danger by not returning to school, so it's just, it's a careful balance, and I kind of um, gave up on trying to make every single person happy, I actually have a sticky note on my desk that says, there are no good choices, just good decisions, and that's kind of what has navigated me through the last year yeah i mean i was almost i was a little bit worried too maybe maybe students wouldn't be wearing masks but i mean i've noticed too it's like everyone everyone's wearing a mask so i mean it's definitely good to see that kids are all complying with uh the rules and regulations that are being put forward to uh keep everyone safe yeah i agree i've been super Yeah, so looking forward to ne- next year, uh, through the summer and into the fall, um, what are you expecting that, that year to look like? Are you guys expecting us to be fully back, or is it going to be a hybrid, maybe some more more hours on campus? What are you guys expecting for that? Yeah, you know, we've had frequent conversations, and um, you know, also with the superintendent and with others, and I think at this point I'll just kind of um, say this is I'm behalf of just myself I'm not going to speak on behalf of the full board although I think we're all pretty close to the same page but in terms of just my 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 hopes and desires um I have absolutely no intention of returning back to any hybrid model in the fall I mean I think with what we know now about COVID there is room to 100% kind of follow the science and keep folks safe and bring people back full-time 
And so it'll look a, a little bit different. It's not going to be 100% the same. I imagine we'll still have our mask requirement and, um, you know, vaccines continue to roll out to younger and younger students. So that adds a piece to it as well. But my hope is that we are back 100% full time. And that's what I'm working towards. I think that's what we're working towards collectively. And, you know, the way we kind of staff and make decisions, we have to decide now, you know, how many teachers we need, how many school staff we need, etc. And we are making those decisions with a lens of expecting and anticipating a full, full, full um, attendance of all students. Uh, five days a week full-time so that's very exciting i mean has there been discussion on requiring uh, a vaccine at the high school level um or has that been tabled because that could be a, a family decision i mean have you guys had any conversations around that we haven't and i don't think we will um kind of uh, you know as an agendized item or anything like that until uh you know right until it becomes available to younger students Right now, it's, of course, down to 16, but um, even then, that's still not a significant yeah. um, amount of the population. And the other thing to keep in mind is right now, it is approved by the FDA under what's called an emergency use authorization. Um, once they have six months of data, once the federal government, you know, CDC and others have six months worth of data, then it can be approved for quote-unquote kind of regular regular use like any other normal vaccine um and so i imagine you know we might have that conversation and um where i stand i am a huge vaccine proponent a hundred percent i uh got started working on healthcare policy with um you know then assembly member dr pan and now senator richard pan and i truly think that um you know we spent kind of 18 2018 2019 um, and even before that, talking about the importance of vaccinations when we had a couple of measles outbreaks and others. And so, you know, vaccines are uh, proven to be effective and safe. And I certainly am a strong advocate and look forward to some conversations down the road. But um, I also just think that those conversations around vaccine safety and efficacy really have led to, you know, California has one of the highest vaccination rates. Uh, in the state, and I think it's in part because of part of that dialogue that has been out there um, that that has happened. And so I look forward to that discussion. I certainly support it. I'm 100% for vaccines, but I know folks have a lot of strong feelings about that. So. Yeah, no, I think we definitely would leave that at that for sure. Um, so with talking about youth voice, um, over the past few years, uh, we've seen increasingly increasing numbers of youth being involved in their communities and youth um, making their own voice heard. So how do you feel that uh, youth voice is incorporated and valued uh, at the board level? Yeah, well, we hear uh, often and a lot about um, opportunities like the students, um, superintendent, student advisory council. I know that um, you're a part of spearheading, but CSAC has been. Um, what what acronym do you guys choose? I've heard it called um, SSAC, a couple of other different things, but maybe you can tell me what you guys like to be called. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's uh, abbreviated. We go as like SSAC. So it's uh, the superintendent's student advisory council. 
But, I mean, when I've heard them just say, we just go as Sasak. Just because, I, I don't know if it rolls off the tongue or, I don't know. We, yeah, that's just kind of what I was introduced to it as. And, basically, we're, we're an extension of Superintendent Kent Kern. Um, kind of, and he, he reaches out to us and we, we all, we work together and he, he pulls our voice out and brings it, brings, brings it to you guys, I believe. And so that's something that I've been able, been fortunate to be a part of as well. Yeah, he absolutely does. Um, I usually give the, you know, call it the long form Persian student, superintendent student advisory committee, but I'm going to go with the SAC. So now on, so appreciate you clarifying that piece. Yeah. Uh, but that's just, you know, one component, you know, we've also got, our LCAP committee that up until recently had been, um, you know, fairly strongly led by um, community members, etc. But we've added more students to our LCAP committee, um, which has been super important. And also, you know, we recently heard more and more reports from students directly. Um, and a lot of that is also, um, you know, with the leadership of our LCAP um, chair, Tom Nelson and our staff uh, who really lead the way there. So we've seen more and more incorporation of student voice, but we're also going out to students more directly. And it's definitely been hard in a Zoom format, but prior to that, we were conducting a number of kind of listening circles for a variety of issues. And then and particularly, you know, when we start to talk about kind of all of our social justice work and incorporating students at every level into into that work um we really try to incorporate student voice in every in every discussion we might be having or kind of um organizing area we might be having key discussions and but we there's always more work to be done there and i'm the first to acknowledge and to admit that so i would just say to students, you know, one, there's a lot of times where we're asking for engagement and we're maybe not getting um, to the right audience or, you know, the message just doesn't get out. So we're always working on ways to kind of broaden our outreach. Uh, but that won't stop us from trying. So we will definitely absolutely, you know, keep trying. And I think um, I'm excited for kind of the next year and being able to implement some of the recommendations that have come from all these different um, student student groups and student corners. That's really exciting for me to hear that the the board, which is really uh, high up there in terms of the district, like seeking out the voice, um, wanting to interact with students. So um, on that token, uh, what would be the best way for students to get involved? So just say like there's a student at any, any variety of our, our high schools, like what would be a way for them to to reach out and to find a way to, to get involved? Yeah, so we have a number of board-appointed committees, um, and we would welcome um, students on all of them. I don't think students apply to all of them, but they might not know that they exist. But we definitely have students, like I said, on our LCAP committee, and so that's our local control accountability. Um, it's called, you know, it's the local control accountability plan, and then the LCAP committee oversees that plan. But a lot of that is discussions on how to provide resources where students need them. And so we're always looking for more uh, student applicants for that committee. But then a lot of decisions get made directly at the school site level. And so every school has a school site council. Um, and so I would recommend kind of looking into that 
as well. And I think the interesting part is, you know, Zoom and these kind of platforms have been difficult for some, but I hope that, you know, it's also increased access. And so we could see that that becomes a way to make things more accessible because I know that students get super busy and might not be able to make an evening meeting all the time, but perhaps if they could log into a Zoom or something like that then they could be more engaged. But I would say whether it's at the site level or one of our school, you know, board appointed committee or at the district level through opportunities like SAC and others, um, all of those are opportunities. And then there's also other places, you know, inclusive of the school district that impacts schools but probably don't have this voice. You know, the county has a number of opportunities for youth commissioners. There's a new Sacramento County Women's Commission, and they were looking for youth commissioners as well as um, a number of other bodies as well. So there's a lot of these not really well-known places in local government, and every single one of them should have a student voice at the table. They just might not be the most, you know, the most savvy at getting the word out. So sometimes you got to go looking for them. I 100% agree. I'm really glad you were able to touch on that. Um, so lastly, as we're as we're winding down here, um, we just wanted to ask you if you could uh, tell a student anywhere in the school district. So this could be middle school, high school, just anywhere in our school district. A piece of advice. Um, what what would that be? My piece of advice would be to know that your story and your life experience is so incredibly valuable. And we need more and more voices to rise up in all different kinds of ways, whether it's coming to our board meetings to tell us what you think or engaging at your school. Um, I don't just, I want folks, like I feel like your peers and you are already way more engaged than probably any other generation prior. And sometimes, People might feel like, oh, well, I've got to wait till I figure out how this works, or I got to wait till I, um, you know, till I learn more a little bit about this. But the last year, we've seen every single system have to kind of break down and do a different type of um, work, and they have not been able to go along with business as usual. And so, all of these opportunities are a new opportunity to build something new. Um, and that just requires folks to come at the table, come to the table and know their story and know their worth. So my message would be your story is valuable. You are, uh, your, your history is worthy of every table that you can be at. And so um, learn how to tell it and then go advocate for what you and your family need. Thank you so much for sharing. Um, we really appreciate your time coming on the show today. Um, any closing thoughts? I just want to thank you for uh, creating this really cool platform. I showed at the outset that I'm a big uh, podcast fan. Uh, the only, you know, second to, of course, your podcast. I'm a huge fan of This American Life. And so uh, I just love this medium and I love this platform. And um, I wanted to thank you. I also do want to do a quick shout out. It, it is uh, Teacher Appreciation week and I know I already had the opportunity to kind of um, shout out to my teachers at, at Mira Wilma um, and say thanks to a couple of others. I want to recognize Principal Lynn Tracy who's retiring at the end of the year 
and of course um, Mr. Carmona, who's still around, but a couple of others. The one kind of challenge of, of starting to call out names is then you might forget one or two, and that I'll feel really, really <laughs> bad. But I just want to say thanks to all of the teachers out there who have lifted and climbed mountain over mountain and um, throughout the last year just to make it happen, um, and to all of our students as well. I know it's it's been a wild year, but I'm just so excited about what the future holds. I think, you know, we're getting close to kind of getting back to quote-unquote normal, and then hopefully together we can um, build up even better than what it was before. Thank you again, Paula, for joining us here uh, for Episode 7 of the San Unified Student Podcast. Uh, we thank you for your time, and we really appreciate having the time to talk with you. Absolutely. Thank you, and have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I would like to thank Zubin Tagore for the work he does behind the scenes. I'm Nanak Tagore with episode 7 of the San Juan Unified Student Podcast. Please check out our Instagram at San Juan Unified Podcast and our Twitter at SJUSD Podcast. I'll be back here next time.